Hello and welcome to the ETOP21 Sports Show for January 30th. How is everyone doing? My name is Eric. I'm the man behind ETOP21 Sports. We have an absolutely loaded episode for you today. My boy Bryce from the I Need It Sports Pod. Him and I are going to look back at the AFC and NFC Championship game. Really excited to hear what he has to say. He was actually, as a Chiefs fan, in attendance at the game. Interested to see what he has to say about that. Plus, we'll share some Super Bowl bets. Gino will have his horse racing by the day. Before we get all that, thank you to Parlay Play, the sponsor of the show. If you're not using Parlay Play, you're really missing out. Go to the App Store, download the Parlay Play app, Parlay Play app use promo code NFL Betting Blitz for 100% deposit match. If you're watching on YouTube, click that link in the description below. Now, let's shift our attention over to Gino from the That's What G Said podcast and see what we are betting this weekend over at Oakland Park. Huge weekend of racing all over the place. Uh, Aqueduct has some big races. Santa Anita has some. Gulfstream has some. And so does Oaklawn Park. That's where we'll head for our best bet this week. And we're going to look at the daily racing form, past performances, like always. DRF.com if you ever need any help playing the races. Saturday, February the 3rd, let's go to race number 11. Kentucky Derby points are on the line, so you may see some of these horses later on in the year in the Kentucky Derby. And in this particular race, it looks like a lot of these horses are fast early. That's their running style. They're front runners early. You look at a horse like Maycox Bay from the inside. He wants to be close up. I don't think Charleston wants to be too far out of it. Otto the Conqueror, he's really quick. Winstock, he wants to be forwardly placed and right on the lead. Carboni, he does as well. Um, and, and even towards the outside, you see Mystic Dan. He wants to go. He wants to be forwardly placed. Just Steele doesn't want to be too far out of it. They should be going very quick early on. It should set up really well for a horse like Liberal Arts. Look at the progression that he's shown throughout his career. He got better as the distances got longer, from five furlongs to six furlongs, then seven furlongs, he broke his maiden after finishing second and third in his first couple starts. Then in the Iroquois on September the 16th, he finished behind West Saratoga that day. He had a brutal trip. He was trying to move up the inside. He got stopped badly. He was shifting around, looking for room. He got stopped again. It was not good. Then he came right back, and he finished uh, awesome in the street sense on a sloppy racetrack winning that day. He will come closing late. He just needs to get the right type of trip. And on paper, it looks like it'll set up very well for liberal arts. He's 8-1 to one on the morning line. If we can get anything over 5-1, to one, I think that's fair value on liberal. That's Saturday uh, at Oaklawn Park. Liberal arts, 8-1 to one on the morning line. Anytime you need any help with those races, drf.com. That's the place to be. Good luck to Eric with uh, all your plays this week. And good luck to everyone else out there. Make sure uh, you tune in for the best information in sports right here each and every week. Make sure to give my boy Gino a follow at It's Me, Gino B on X. Now let's shift our attention to the NFL and let's welcome my boy from the I Need It Sports podcast, Bryce to the show. Bryce, how you doing, my man? What's up, Eric? Happy to be back. I'm obviously this weekend. Got two separate, you know, outcomes for our teams. Hate to see, you know, what happened to your team, but. As you mentioned, yes, I was in attendance in Baltimore. Man, what an atmosphere. What a great game for Chiefs Kingdom. Uh, walking in, uh, fans were great. But there were fans that heckled me, I, I think, when I first walked into the stadium. Matter of fact, let me just start at the airport walking in, trying okay. to find my Uber. I had a security guard tell me to take my jersey off, burn it. Another lady said, boo you, and I'm like, I'm walking, like, half paying attention, looking at signs, 
And she says it again. So I turn, I look, and we lock eyes. She said, yeah, boo you. And I was like, okay, it's going to be that type of day. It was it was actually quite a lot of Chiefs fans on my flight to Baltimore. But uh, getting in the stadium, trying to find my seat, I was told, boo, you're from Missouri. I'm not from Missouri. I'm from Texas. So <laughs> that one didn't get me. But, uh, yeah, stood tall, one Chief fan in the vicinity of probably hundreds of Ravens in my section. I think there was probably only, like, five other Chiefs fans, and we took home the dub, silenced all of them. Vlog will be dropping later this week on the I Need a Sports Pod channel so y'all can kind of take a back background look at everything I went through Sunday. And it was a great experience, man. First, first NFL playoff game, too, in person, so couldn't pick a better one to start. I mean, I think this is the burning question everyone wants to know. Did you have any crab cakes? No, I didn't have any crab cakes. <laughs> I should have though, just just to mess with people, because I know. Uh, I want to say the the owner of the famous crab cakes place down there. He had hopped on Pat McAfee's show uh, earlier in the week and basically promised, you know, like, "Hey, Ravens are gonna win this." I think he had a bet with the KC mayor. And so there should be crab cakes on the way to KC right now because that was that was the wager. We were going to send barbecue. They're going to send crab cakes. So crab cakes should be on the way, man. So we have a couple questions. We'll hop into those before we jump into our takeaways. With Ben Johnson deciding to stay in Detroit, can the Lions get back there next year? I'll let you answer this one. Um, It's tough. It's, it's This is a league of parity. You know, you don't want to fall into that trap where it's like you get so close and then teams will be like, hey, we'll be here next year. You know, uh, Dan Campbell kind of touched on that in the postgame press conference. I think the Lions do stand a really good chance. Uh, I think that's kind of I don't know if there is a silver lining in losing the conference championship. But the fact he wasn't plucked by Washington or Seattle gets to return, continue that offense with Jared Goff. Hopefully a bigger role for Jamison Williams next year. I know he kind of starred in the championship game this past weekend. I think it'll be good, and y'all will have a, a, a good chance to run it back. But obviously, like, year in, year out in the NFL, it's one injury here, one injury there, or something could derail your whole season. So you just got to keep your fingers crossed. But definitely like the fact for y'all that y'all get to keep them. Yeah, I was a little surprised. I think it came down to just a money issue from what I'm reading. Um I, if I was him, I'd go to DC, new ownership, going to get a new stadium, new GM, top three pick. You're going to have a couple years to work with solid foundation in the front office. I was a little shocked he stayed to be utterly honest with you. Um, this is my takeaway. So I'm, I'm going to let you take this one thoughts on the fourth down coaching decisions. Oh man. Okay. So I'm conflicted. Cause I, I seen some of your tweets, so I know how you're feeling a little bit. Yeah. Um. The first one, when it, the score is 24-10, first drive of the second half, I actually like that one. I like that decision because analytics say there, you go for it, you go on to score a touchdown. Obviously, nothing is 100%, but you've got a 99.99% win chance right there if you score in that drive. Has a great play call. Reynolds drops the ball. Second one, when you're down three and you just need the points, I – I think you got to take the field goal there, obviously. Now, I know uh, your kicker has some issues. I think he's like, I saw 48% from like 40 through 50 yards and like even worse, 50 yards and beyond. But you got to live with those statistics. Let him try to kick it. 
live with the results because at that point you tie the game, you might put some pressure back on to San Francisco. You turn the ball over on downs again there, and then all the momentum is completely gone from the game. The team is over on the sidelines, defeated. San Francisco marches right back down the field and basically ices the game with another touchdown. And it's tough. Obviously, in hindsight, you know, that's 2020. But it's kind of like live live by the sword, die by the sword. Like, that's what makes Dan Campbell the Lions who y'all wore this year. Y'all been doing it all year. You did it in the playoffs. Like we talked about on my pod last week, you guys have been doing that both games in the wildcard divisional, and it's been successful, and you've been winning. You had all the answers. And Sunday, just didn't have the answers. A couple crucial drops, crucial turnovers, and swung the game back in the 49ers' favor. So I I, I don't like them. I don't like the second one, really, but if the way Dan Campbell is, I can ride with his decisions. Dave Kozak chimes in. Truth, Reynolds needed to make that catch. Great pass. Matt Clay chimes in. Ravens always seem to come up short. Where do they go from here? Do they need a running back? Yeah, I've, I feel like I, I've been seeing some rumors of Derrick Henry. I know, obviously, he's done in Tennessee. He wants to win, so I don't think he would be asking for too much money. But they're always a running back by committee, and every time it comes to the playoffs, it seems like they don't trust that committee and don't give the running backs the ball. So if you're – if that's the missing piece and you need a bell cow back, definitely go get it because the window is closed. Like, like I said, you might not get back to this point next year. Who knows? But they definitely wasted away an amazing year. Um, I was shocked to see them, you know, not run the ball considering, you know, our DVOA against the run. But that was actually one of the things I wanted to talk about uh, with some of the stuff, the questions you had lined up. I, w- I don't think people realize – the Mahomes and Chiefs kind of effect that the other team faces when he's standing on the opposite sideline. Because they start that game three and out within a minute. Crowd was hype. They punt, and then next thing you know, Pat, just death by a, a million cuts. Here, dink and dunk. Pacheco, dink and dunk. It came down to a fourth down, I think, that first drive. Fourth and four. Crowd is hype. And I, I literally have myself videoing it on camera like, this fourth down, this is where the real MVP comes out. He's about to silence them. Fourth down completion to Kelsey. Who else would it go to? Right there. And then we go down score. Lamar comes back. He makes a great play on that touchdown pass to Zay Flowers. But then we're right back. Mahomes answers. 14-7, like, okay, now the pressure's on. Like, your first down run gets stuff. Now you're scrambling, like, okay, we got to pass the ball. And next thing you know, you're down to the Chiefs by double digits. And while you should probably go back to the run, in the back of your mind, you're thinking, we got to put up points fast because we know Mahomes is on the other sideline and he's going to have an answer. And I think it causes coaches, players to panic, get beside themselves. We've seen it in Buffalo. Buffalo was running the ball all over us. We get to the fourth quarter. Next thing you know, they try to make Josh Allen play hero ball. It doesn't work. Lamar and the Ravens, what they handed the ball off six times, I think, that game total to the running backs. And Lamar had yep. like another six rushes. It just I don't I don't know what Todd Munkin was thinking, but hey. Todd Todd Munkin, you gotta get rid of Todd Munkin. That's one of my takeaways that I'll get to later. Um, just to kind of piggyback what you're saying, I know a lot of people are tweeting stuff out or X. I don't even know what they call it now on X. Like when you I'm like, a, I just always call it Twitter. <laughs> um 
that was the most dialed in I've seen Kelsey all year. He I told was, you on the pod. Yeah, you did, and you called it. He was dialed in. And when you kind of looked over at the Chiefs sideline during, like, the stuff that was going on, on TV, those guys were all stonewalled. They were locked in. And the Ravens players were just jumping up and down, getting pumped up like it was a regular game. Like, the body language was, like, completely different. I heard someone else give this analogy. They looked the um, the Ravens looked like Apollo Creed when he before he fought Ivan Drago in Rocky Four, jumping up and down, dancing. The um, the um, the 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 Chiefs looked like Rocky, locked in, ready to fight. I heard this analogy someone told me today when I was talking. It was a pretty good analogy. And that's kind of how I felt like the chiefs, their body language, they just seem to be taking the game a little bit more serious. And I think that's a great point you made about the Mahomes factor. People panic when they play against them, except for one, I've only seen one team not panic when they play against them. And that was Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals. That's been the one team, this last little three run that you might be, um that you can compare to <laughs> i'm not great comedy here. <laughs> uh, i've seen all the movies i've seen the new uh, ones as well um dave kozak my opinion Baltimore, baltimore were not disciplined like they were all season bad penalties bad decisions on d yeah i yeah. i agree i was Kelsey taunting all game? Yeah, everyone was all taunting, but Kelsey didn't stand over a guy and flex yeah, like yeah. like Zay Jones did. So kind of like how you were just saying, your analogy is also kind of just very apparent that the Chiefs, this this their sixth AFC championship in a row, been here before, done that. They know exactly what to expect. Ravens, they had no idea what to do here. Matter of fact, that was the first AFC championship game they'd ever hosted as a city. Yeah. So they they clearly were in some ter- some unknown territory. Um, I seen people mad on Twitter. I, I think uh, the Kyle Van Noy penalty, the, the dead ball personal foul, and people are like, oh well, Kelsey did it too. And it's like we can't sit up here and ha- act like the refs don't always catch the second or third person. You got to be smarter yeah. than that. Keep your composure. And funny enough, I just seen a clip before hopping on. Uh, they've been releasing the mic'd up footage. Mahomes was literally in the huddle, like after big plays, like telling the offense, composure, 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 play within the whistle, keep your composure, let's go do what we do. And the Ravens, they didn't do that. Zay, Zay Flowers, um, rookie, never been in this spot before. Hype, he makes a big catch against Need. You can't, I, I'm okay with the shove down, the stand up. And I don't even think he necessarily meant to hit Sneed. But then when he threw the ball and it did hit him, I was like, yes, you're going to draw a penalty for that. Of course, all the Ravens fans around me, boo, boo. Some of them even heckled me like, how does it feel to get this stuff rigged for y'all? I'm like, I mean, it feels pretty great from where I'm sitting. But, I mean, that's that's a penalty <laughs> 10 times out of 10. I don't know what you want me to say. So I'm going to say this. Karma is real. And that is karma for Zay Jones taking that ball to the house against Sandy against the San Diego against the Los Angeles Chargers when I was sitting on the Chargers plus the three and a half a couple weeks ago. Um, what was it that Sunday night football game where he caught it for the first down, just had to go down, but he scored a touchdown. 
that's karma Zake Jones. Karma for scoring that touchdown. Uh, chat room's great, guys. Keep the comments coming. We'll answer all your questions. Time for the takeaways. What's your first takeaway, my friend? Man, as a Chiefs fan, uh, I'll give you a funny story. So my first Chiefs game at Arrowhead, 2011 week eight. Um, funny enough, I had a broken leg from my football game. I was in the seventh grade. I forget why my mom took us to Kansas that weekend, but the we played the Miami Dolphins, who were led by Matt Moore. Miami Dolphins were 0-7 coming into that game, so my mom figured, hey, why not take them to this game? The Chiefs will be sure to win first game. Great experience. Matt Castle and the Chiefs went in the arrowhead, dropped a dud. We lose 31-3. to that was followed by a bunch more worse seasons, a 2-14 and 14 season, Brody Croyle, Tyler Thigpen, Damon Howard, Matt Castle, all these terrible quarterbacks. And this whole time, I'm just thinking, growing up watching the Chiefs, why would my mom and her side of the family raise me to be a Chiefs fan like this? Because this team is not good. Like, all I know is pain. Never seen them win a playoff game until, I want to say, my senior year of high school versus the Brian Hoyer-led Texans. And then... Insert Patrick Mahomes, six years, six AFC titles in a row, fourth Super Bowl in five years. And it's even different now because I think social media, like social media was around when the Patriots were doing their thing, especially this latter part of their dynasty. But social media has just gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. And I'm 25, so I've kind of seen this growth of Instagram, Twitter, all that, like from its beginning stages. And there's so many more people on the app, and it's so toxic with all the fans and trolls and bots. Everybody's just hating on the Chiefs. I'm like, I know I'm biased, obviously, because I'm fan, but like, can we just sit back and appreciate what you're watching? Like, every year it's something different. Like, oh, we lose Tyreek. Well, no way Mahomes can win without Tyreek. What do we do? We go to the Super Bowl, we win. This year, they look terrible. We we could not catch the ball. We were making stupid mistakes. And I would say on my podcast repeatedly, like, um, I'm not going to put my hopes, get my hopes up, but, like, I know I might sound stupid, but I'm telling you, if this team can just focus and cut out the self-mistakes, they can't be stopped because the, the Patrick Mahomes has a top-five defense now. Steve Spagnola, oh, my God. He has been putting together masterpieces. I know Mahomes obviously is going to take majority of the credit from media, but that defense is top two and not two. I tried to tell people that. Everybody was hyping up the Ravens this week. I'm like, we got a top-two defense on our side, like, Lamar and company have to deal with that. You've seen them force turnovers, get crucial stop after crucial stop. And I'm like, man, what what more could you ask for? I get probably people thought once Brady retired, like, okay, the league can go back to having, you know, more parity. And it's like, oh, no, this guy Mahomes just came in. And now it's looking like he might just replace what Brady is doing. So from other fans, I get it because I was once in your shoes. I remember – 2018, when we lost to the pass in the AFC Championship, I'm sure the way you were feeling this weekend, me and you were probably saying this, some of the same things, cussing at the TV because you just couldn't believe your eyes with what your team was doing. And now to this point, it's like, man, we are literally watching, like, I, I'm too young to know MJ. All I know is LeBron and Kobe, really. But I would assume, you know, back in the day, when it got, got playoff time and MJ was in his heyday, you knew no matter who was on the other side, what was going on, no matter what kind of games or season MJ had before, come playoff time, 
he's focused, he's zoned in, the team is locked in. They're going to get the job done at the end of the day. And knock on wood, I think we're two weeks away from Mahomes and company kind of cementing the dynasty. It's like, hey, man, even at our lowest, when we lock in, we're at this level and everybody else is down here. And it's never been more apparent. And now with a top five defense to go at it, it's kind of like we flip-flopped as a team. Mahomes' early years, we were excellent on offense. Defense was like middle of the pack. But they got the crucial stops when we needed them in playoff moments. Now, defense is top of the pack. Offense, it might not look the best. We not might not be putting up the most points, but when we need it, we can. Mahomes can literally get the job done. I before at the before the third and non-completion the MVS, I literally texted my friends. I was like, "It's time for Mahomes to let his nuts hang," because I know he's asking for the ball. Funny enough, the mic'd up footage today, he literally was walking over the sidelines. Give me the ball. Give me the ball. Now, when I saw the ball was going to MVS, my heart dropped. I was like, oh, my God, please don't do this to us again. Was I got it, that. Was on. Wasn't Tony, dude. <laughs> I was like, please don't do this to us again. So, like I said, y'all, if y'all want to tune into the channel at INI's pod on YouTube, vlog will be dropping this week. But I got that on film, too. I could not believe it. Everybody around me was shocked. I was going crazy. I was like, oh, my, he caught the ball. That's game. When we gotta have it, the team will get will get the job done in the crucial moments, and that's the difference between us and everybody else. In crucial moments, Lamar throws an interception. In the crucial moments, Josh Allen misses a pass, misses a read. In the crucial moments, you know these teams just can't do what can't, they can't get to the level the Chiefs can get to. I just want people to sit back and realize, like. What you're watching, this is literally legendary yeah. stuff in the making, and I'm just happy to be a Chiefs fan, part of it. I I never thought I'd see us win one Super Bowl, let alone being in the fourth in five years. It's crazy to me, but I'm just trying to appreciate it all right now. So, and that's kind of like you hit the nail on the head. It's we get caught up in the moment, wanting to post stuff, go back and forth. It's like just kind of sit back and enjoy, you know, what is happening in front of you, because you're right. You know, you never know how long it can last lucky for you you know you got probably the best quarterback ever and you're going to be around for a while there we go right there didn't i teach she's for life um if you don't know how to lose you won't know how to win well as a lions fan we know how to lose a lot and uh you know hopefully hopefully we get around to that winning uh msu great brian hoyer Matt Moore drop. Never thought I would hear that. On hey, this. Matt yeah. Moore, Super Bowl <laughs> champ with the KC Chiefs. It, I went back to watch the highlights of that game just to see, like, what it was because I, I vividly remember some things of it. And when I seen he was the quarterback, I was like, wow, look at look at how things come full circle because I know the year we won the first Super Bowl, Mahomes went out with the dislocated knee. Matt Moore came in and, you know, kept, kept us afloat, so – but yeah, back in the day, 0-7 went right into Arrowhead, whooped us 31-3. First game of Arrowhead. That's my first ever experience. So my first takeaway, and I'm a ray on this one. Todd Munkin had one of the worst game plans I can remember in a conference championship game. You mentioned Chiefs 27th DVOA against the run. And your running backs had six rushing attempts per game. Every game before that your backs were averaging 21.9 attempts per game. And that game, the biggest game of the year, you had six. Gus Edwards, you're bruising RB1 
had was out snapped by Justice Hill. They started the game with Justice Hill, their third down running back in the game. Edward, Edwards had three attempts for 20 yards, almost seven yards per carry. Why are you only giving him three rushing yards attempt? In my eyes right there, that's enough to get Munkin fired today. He should have been fired on Monday. Watching the game, my big one of my things was like, I felt like the Ravens were trying to prove Jackson is on the same level as Mahomes, constantly having him drop back. But he's dropping back seven, seven, nine-yard drops, throwing it 15 yards. But since he dropped back so far, it's only five yards over the line of scrimmage. With how good the Chiefs defense is playing, that is absolutely not going to cut it. And look, I'm not saying that the Ravens would have won the game if they would have ran the ball, but they would have limited Mahomes because that would have worked the clock and that would have kept Mahomes on the sideline. And with the game Kelsey had, like it was kind of like Kelsey was like, okay, you know what? Nothing mustn't around. I'm going to show you guys. I just want you guys to remember how good I am. Because like I said before, that's the most locked in I, I saw him. I told and you, when he's going Kyle Hamilton, Hamilton on him, that first oh. touchdown, that first touchdown grab he had, I'm walking on my treadmill watching the game. I'm like, holy shit. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm like, where, where was this all year? You know, I'm like looking around. I'm like, where, where was this? And when that is happening, you can't just be constantly throwing the ball, try to max her. You mentioned the Mahomes effect. I think that was it. I think Munkin panicked. I think he felt he needed to score fast. And my thing was Harbaugh on these times before when he's gone up against a Tom Brady, he's never panicked. He's always kind of been patient, run the ball with Ray Rice, and just kind of worked it down the field. They totally panicked this game. And because of that, they lost. Now, this is going to blow your mind. I looked back. Everyone said Munkin's offense is going to be this electrifying offense. 21st in passing yards per game nowhere close to where they were under the best year with Greg Roman. And when you look at the rushing yards and passing yards, add them all together, still not as good as Greg Roman's offense. I think the offense took a step back. We had a question about what the Ravens need to do. They need to get rid of Monk and they need to get a better offensive coordinator in there. So with those stats you provided, I, I kind of see where you're coming from now, but I wanted to pose a different question. Cause I was, you know, searching through Ravens Twitter and stuff all week, and there's actually a good portion of Ravens Twitter that is proposing they fire Harbaugh because Harbaugh has been the the common component throughout all these years. Despite all the coaching changes, it's still him, and they've come up short time and time again now in the playoffs over the last couple of years. And some of them seem to be fed up with Harbaugh, and there were even some that were saying either put Harbaugh in like a GM type role and make McDonald the coach or just fire him completely. I mean, I think I hate the Lakers. I mean, I totally agree with what he just posted. Who'd you get instead? I mean, like, where would you pivot to? Like you smash him again. Yeah. I mean, do you feel like he would put him in a better, better position? I, like, I, I, don't, I don't know. Cause he he led the number one defense or had the number one defense this year, obviously. But I feel like that defense had a lot of talent, and Roquan Smith is 
arguably one of the best linebackers in the league. So, like, how much of that necessarily is Mike McDonald's, you know, just system and philosophy? I don't know. But I I can understand some of the frustration where it's like we've seen this time and time again where, like, they the Ravens run the ball really well. They run the ball, great defense. It's kind of been their MO throughout the years. It comes playoff time. It's like they get away from running the ball, and then I like Lamar, but he hasn't proven he can be a consistent thrower of the ball in playoff time, but they want to put the ball in his hands and force him to throw. And I think he was also, like, in the back of his mind, he's like, I got to prove to people that I'm not a running back because there were some gaps in the defense where he could have taken off for 20-plus yards, and he would do that any other time, and he just refused to do it. So as a Chiefs fan, I thank God he did it, but there were – he should have taken some more runs on himself instead of trying to throw the ball into coverage. And that's kind of what I was saying last week. Like it wasn't a knock and people would be like, Oh, well, you're not watching the Ravens. But I was like, the chiefs game plan would literally be if Lamar's throwing the ball, they're going to feel pretty confident. Cause we have two of the best corners in the league. It's going to be very hard to throw the ball on us at a consistent rate. And that showed its head and they just went completely away from the and run. So my biggest thing, cause I'm a coach is you got to put your, your students, your team, whatever, in the best position to win. Looking back at it, we cannot say that Harbaugh did that. Yeah, and one last thing, I would honestly like to know what Todd Munkin's wife said after the game. Because remember the week before, he was doing that press conference and he jokingly said, yeah, she told me, hey, if it's working, just keep doing whatever works. And He was like, yeah, that sounds like a great plan. Well, the run had been working this whole year. You just didn't do what worked. So why'd you not listen at that time? So it just doesn't make sense. Like, I just, again, I don't understand, you know, his, you know, his, what, what he was doing, what his thought process and everything bully the line. Thank you, my friend. Thanks for tuning in. Great show fellas. Um, Bryce takeaway two. what you got my friend. Yeah, we kind of already touched on it, but it's like, uh, I know everybody's, you know, hating on Dan Campbell a little bit. I know obviously you feel a certain way about it, but I'm just like, man, you can't celebrate the man for what he does that makes him great and then at the same time turn your back on him when it didn't work the one time this weekend. And it just sucks that it had to be one of the most crucial times where you needed it to work. But at the same time, coaches can only do so much. Players got to play the game. And I feel like Campbell put the Lions players in winning positions and the players failed him a little bit. Reynolds had a couple crucial drops. Um, even after the uh, 49ers scored, make it 24-17, Jameer Gibbs fumble right in your own territory, score again. And then on Ben Johnson's part, why even go away from the run after that? Because it's still a tied ball game. Like, you could still – you were still running the ball well, but he kind of went away from it. And then that was followed by more crucial drops. I know – it. I don't think it was necessarily counted as a drop, but I know Jamison Williams had one that was close on that fade route down the left sideline that kind of went through his hands in the end zone. So Lions had plenty of opportunities to win. I don't think the fourth downs were the biggest thing. But like I said, I would have taken the field goal there when it was 24-27 on that fourth down. Because at that point, you need the points tie, keep the game, you know, close. But, hey, like kind of like, you know, me and my friends said all the time with the Golden State Warriors back in their, you know, dynasty run. They would live by the three, die by the three. The Rockets, I'm a Rockets fan. We live by the three, 
And when it got to playing against the Warriors, we literally died by the three. 0-27 uh, game seven in Houston will haunt us to this day. But that's what we did. It worked all season. So it's not like you get to game seven. It's like, let's do something completely different. No, you do what works and you have trust that you're, you'll are you get the job done at the end of the day. Lions players just didn't get the job done at the end of the day. But, hey, sometimes that's just the way the dice rolls and you got to keep it moving. So here's my thing. Now, week 15 preview. This was one of my things I said earlier, and I really think that's what Dan Campbell is right now. They were one and five last week versus the Bears on fourth down. That cost the Lions a game. He's being relentless in his decision making and forcing it. So I said that in week 15. He was being relentless, being careless. And in my eyes, his decision making cost him the game. Now, this is how I look at it Niners come out in the second half. They great drive, but your defense helped. Your defense held them to three points. You go drive all the way down to the 28. And you went for it. And I'm sitting, like, I'm sitting in my living room. I had a couple guys over watching the game. I texted my brother. I told those guys, I go, look, if they go for it here, they're going to lose this game. Because I think he was, I, I think he's just way too careless in these critical times where he just needs to take the points. I thought he was careless in the game against, Tampa Bay the week before where on fourth down, he handed it to Reynolds. I thought he should have just taken the three points there because I still look at points as a premium. And when you're in the third quarter and with how good you're running the ball, there's only so much limited time left for the 49ers to score. That's my first thing. My second thing is, you know, I don't, I'm a huge math guy. I look at math when I do my numbers, when I do my player props and everything. But when we talk about this analytics, one thing I feel that they don't take into consideration is, okay, what happens when this team runs this this defense, that defense? You know what I mean? It's not lined up to what it's going on. It's more like, okay, how many yards you're averaging, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? It does. They don't really dive into like all the factors going into what's happening in the field. And also I feel that the data they're looking at is 20 years ago from 20 years ago here. I feel in 20 years when you and I are talking, the analytics will say they should have been kicking more threes instead of going for it. You know what I mean? Cause I feel the game is being played different than it was back there. So you can't really look at those data points. Now the mental part of it, Niners are locked in now. You went for it. You didn't make it. Liners are knocked in and the stadium came alive. And I'm a big proponent of, as a coach. And when I used to play, I'm a big proponent of scoreboard pressure. When that game gets a little tight, you used to be up big. Now you look up and you're like, great. It's only two scores. Great. It's only one score. And that whole game, I feel would have played out differently. And I really feel if they would have kicked the three points, they would have won the game. Because that scoreboard pressure, I believe, led to the Gibbs fumble because what's getting lost in the mix was he ran to Goff's wrong side. That timing was off because he should have went to the right side of his body. He went to the left side of his body. I feel the scoreboard pressure created that moment for Gibbs and the mental mistake. So that's my problem number one. Problem number two, you mentioned that I agree with you. When they took the lead, you had to take the three points there to tie it up you didn't do it which i I just blows my mind 
how you cannot take the three points and not tie the game in that situation. The second, the third issue I have is they drove down to the 24. There is a minute 40, minute 50 left. They had all three timeouts. Why don't you just kick the field goal there? And then there's so much time left. You can just kick it off and pin them and try to play defense because they're going to run the ball and you've been good against the run and get get stops and you'll probably get the ball back with a minute 20, minute 10. Yeah, I Why saw not that. do that? So that doesn't I, make sense to me either. Like, go ahead. I, I was on the plane and I, I ended up seeing it when I landed. And y'all ran it on what, like third and goal or something? And yeah. then we're forced to use a timeout. Yeah, that's that's stupid. It's just It just doesn't make sense to me what they're doing. And who, it may be another 30-some-odd years. Like, I, I could be long gone by the time that they get back to the spot and you had a chance to do it. And because you're too stubborn and caught in your ways, it cost you a chance to get to the Super Bowl. And that, I look, that's just how I, that's what I see with it. And for everyone saying the Lions could be back, that's what a lot of my friends told me. I had some messages, oh, they'll be back. The NFC, you know, we had a comment about the NFC North in the chat. I'll try to find. The NFC is going to be really loaded next year. Bears have two top five picks, a ton of salary. Packers are insanely young. We have no idea what is going to happen. Here's a yo, greetings from Texas. Tough loss for your Lions. It's going to be an interesting NFC North. You have no idea what Minnesota is going to do at the quarterback position. Um, Kyler Murray. I, I'm a huge Kyler fan. Cardinals are going to be better. They have a great coaching staff. They have a top the top third pick. Are they going to take an offensive lineman, take Harrison, maybe even trade back? And then you got to figure the Giants will do something. Giants will be better. Cowboys are the Cowboys. Eagles will probably stay, take a step forward. Commanders could be getting Jalen Daniels. Seattle, they have a ton of playmakers. San Francisco, San Francisco. Rams have Stafford and company. Uh the NFC is just loaded. So you don't even know if you're going to be back in this position. So I just look at it. You had an opportunity, take the points, just play it smart. This isn't week 13. You're in a win or lose situation. Take the three points. It's still a three. It's still a three-store game. You played football. You know that you're sitting on that sidelines. Even if it's just three points, you're like, great. We're down three scores again. Mentally, now you're like looking at the game a little bit different. The whole mental focus changes. And Raj chimes in. Yo, the Lions are gonna make the Super Bowl run next season. I say no. It is tough, man. That's that's that kind of goes back to what I was saying. Like, appreciate what you're looking at in the Chiefs. Like, that's not a normal thing. Like, people will sit up here and try to say, like, oh, well, you know. This will happen in the AFC and Mahomes will eventually fall off. And here we are again. And it's like you see teams year in, year out. You see the the worst, the first jump, Houston Texans this year. They made that jump. Um, I think CJ Shroud is a baller. I think they'll be really good next year again. But there's a chance they they couldn't be. They still got a tough division with the Jags. I think the Jags will, you know, get back to what people probably thought they could have been this year. Anthony Richardson is a complete wild card, but I think he's going to be good with Steichen over there in Indy. So it's not guaranteed there. Um, one of the more famous teams in recent history that comes to mind is the Jacksonville Jaguars. That 2017 year, they have the Patriots on the ropes, and everybody's like, oh, next season they'll be back. And yeah. I, never again. And that team blew up 
from inside, and everybody Jalen Ramsey's traded, Calais Campbell traded, never again. It's Miles like, Jack, never the same. You know, yeah. Thanks for the reminder. I had them 60 to one to win it all that year. Thanks for the reminder on that. I totally forgot about that. I had them 60 to one that year. Yeah. Still bitter about that. Um, but no, that's the thing. Like, I just and look, dude, like this is the fun thing about sports. Like, everyone can have opinions. There's no right or wrong opinion at the end of the day, but it's always fun just to hear people's different point of views. So um now we reach my favorite part of the episode. The betting part wasn't my favorite part for last week, though. I'm going to be bringing up here the results from last week's show. And Lady D had a great one. She had Montgomery anytime tutty plus 170. Pacheco anytime touchdown plus 120 as winners. She had Lamar Jackson over one and a half TDs. Obviously, that Zay Jones TD fumble killed her. I had Lions plus seven. Winner, Ravens minus three, Edwards over 41 and a half. Obviously, not the best for me, but you know what? The best part about gambling is there's always other stuff to gamble on. Let's jump right into it, my man. This first one, we are on the same exact one. I got a little better number, though. I was pissed I didn't get this right off of openers. See, the, the numbers dropped while I'm in the flight back home. So I get back and it's plus one, but I heard it was plus three, like as soon as the books opened up. Now it's back up to plus two and a half. I'm probably gonna go back in and throw money on plus two and a half. But huh, like I like I've been saying on my podcast, and I've been telling you, um, I know you and uh, my other podcast mates, you know, y'all tried to convince me, like, no, the Ravens were. I'm like, man, besides Tom Brady, who's the undisputed goat right now, but we got a goat in the making. You don't bet against Patrick Mahomes as an underdog. I believe he's now what 10 and three straight up best one of the best underdog records in history. Um, nine and one and one against the spread. Like you just, these, this chief's team is on a mission. And like I said, it looks a little different. So people aren't necessarily used to, they're used to us throwing up 30 plus and, you know, winning with style points, but this year it's top five defense Run yeah. the ball, Mahomes. Do what you do when we need it most. But if not, just take care of the ball. That's all we need. And I believe he is now at knock on wood. He's at two hundred and three attempts uh, without an interception in the playoffs. I believe the record is two thirty seven for Tom Brady. So potentially he could hit that in the Super Bowl. Who knows? Um, the last six games of the playoffs, so dating back to last year, six and zero with eleven touchdowns, no interceptions. In this playoff run right now, he hasn't even had any turnover-worthy plays. So we take care of the ball, we feed Isaiah Pacheco, rely on the defense, control the clock a little bit. Come on, man! I think the way the 49ers have been playing these playoffs, that was that was one of the things that uh that I didn't like about the fact that Dan Campbell did choose to go for it. Cause I feel like if you go up or you go into that fourth quarter up on the 49ers, that doubt starts to creep back in their mind. Cause that stat of Shanahan being like, what is now one and 30 from the game last week or two weeks ago versus the Packers. Oh, hmm. can we do this again? And like come back from deficit, but the 49ers end up coming back basically in the third quarter alone. And now they're flying high headed into the fourth. So yeah, if, they're going to let the Chiefs get out to an early lead and have to rely on Brock Purdy. I like my chances with that Chiefs defense and Mahomes to take care of the ball. 
And I'm not going to lie, Mahomes has given Kyle Shanahan 49ers team problems ever since he stepped foot in the league. I remember that's one of his I'm here, welcome to the NFL moments is uh, I think it was his third game in 2018. He's scrambling around in the red zone, does like a full 360, comes back, hits Chris Conley in the corner of the end zone. It's like, oh, God, like we got to do that quarterback. Alex Smith can never do this. So I, I think I think we're going to get the job done, go back to back, complete the dynasty. It just feels like, you know, Holmes and them, they're on a mission. Kelsey on a mission. I know he didn't skip that that record for a thousand yards in the eighth consecutive season for nothing. I told you he was gonna come back, playoffs ready to go. And I'm excited for Super Bowl Sunday, man. Most focus I've ever seen in the season. Um, great question here from uh, from um, let's make some money on Twitch. Would it be better to bet the Chiefs money line or Mahomes MVP? Um, it's not. I'd probably say it's 75, 80% that the Chiefs win, Mahomes wins the MVP. Um, just kind of looking at the Chiefs players, I think the only ones that will have value would be Chris Jones. I think if he has like three or four sacks, he could mess around. He he could win MVP. If, if it's like a defensive game, but I don't think it's going to be a defensive game. I think Chiefs are going to be able to score points. So then that leads me to Kelsey, Rice, Pacheco, or Mahomes. For me, if I were doing it, what I would do is I would put a two-unit play on the Chiefs money line and then just like, a, depending on the prices, like a tenth, maybe a quarter of a unit on those other guys to win MVP. Just because if I kept the, the, the game for the Chiefs to play, I think that would be the best way to do it. And I wouldn't even do Mahomes because it's going to be so, so low of a price. I don't think you get true value if you're going to bet like that. What say you? I, I would take the money line too, because oddly enough, yeah. like I just explained, the way we play offense this year, this is probably the year, if any, where Mahomes wouldn't get MVP. Like if you take the game last week versus the Ravens, that's the Super Bowl. Travis Kelsey wins Super Bowl MVP. Eleven targets, eleven catches, a hundred yard, hundred over hundred yards, one touchdown. Mahomes only has that one touchdown. And the rest is just him game managing, keeping the ball safe, and we're giving the ball off to Pacheco. So I really think Pacheco and Kelsey would be the plays if you want to sprinkle on a Super Bowl MVP with some value because I feel like the game is going to have to go through them. And then uh, Mahomes, obviously, you know, just off the name value, you want to take that. But I think he's gone like a record like – nine or 10 games this year where he hasn't even thrown over one touchdown pass or two touchdown passes. So he even, he even messed up one of my plays this past week. I had him over 240 yards and two touchdown passes hit the 240 over on that last play to MBS, but we didn't get the second touchdown. So definitely more value in chiefs ML. I'm looking at it right now. Mahomes is on. This is, I just pulled up FanDuel. Um, Mahomes. 140 to win MVP Chiefs plus 112. I'd play just play the 112 because, like you said, if there's no guarantee Mahomes will win it, these are the interesting ones. Kelsey's at 16 to 1 to win MVP. I think that's worth a play. I think Pacheco at 35 to 1 is worth a play. I think Rice at 70 to 1 is worth a play. And I mean, throw in 25 bucks on 
Chris Jones at 140 to one, I think is definitely worth a play. You know what I mean? Just because he could mess around because that guy is a beast. And the only person on that line that you really fear is Trent Williams. You can just line Jones on the opposite side of him. Um, look, I got the Chiefs at two and a half. I like him at two. I, I totally agree with everything you said. Um, here's some trends. Last 20 years in the Super Bowl, favorites 35% of ATS. That means dogs are 65% ATS. One seeds in the Super Bowl are 42.9% ATS. One seeds as a favorite in the Super Bowl, that drops down to 25% ATS. Your boy, the GOAT, Patrick Mahomes. And real quick, did you see that segment? I like it. Someone posted on TikTok. Mahol, Tom Brady was walking through the zoo with somebody. Uh-huh, and this yeah. guy goes, oh, yeah, we reached the Mahomes exhibit. And it was the goats. That was kind of <laughs> funny. Um, Mahomes, 12 and 5, ATS in the playoffs for his career. That is 70.6% ATS as a dog in his career, regular season and playoffs. 10, 1 and 1. That is an insane 90.9% against the number. Also, you mentioned him throwing the ball. Niners defense has given up a combined 230, 233 yards per game to Goff and Jordan Love. What is Patrick Mahomes going to be able to do against this defense? Also, I think the Ravens kind of expose this Niners, how they have no safety play and you can attack them over the middle. I've been hyping up Lenore, and that's where he – lines up i think reed is going to sit back i think he's going to see that you can exploit the middle of the defense and look to take advantage of it look to pick on it now why is this important it forces warner to go over to kelsey because if that's where you're guarding him he's not going to be able to come up and stop the run and just a little stat for you last time kelsey played against warner just the business casual six receptions for 98 yards a couple years ago and then we get to this running game. I don't think they're going to be able to stop the run, which I have a play for a little bit later, and I know you do. If they're able to run the ball, keep Debo and Crew on the sidelines, the middle of the field's open. Look, I think the Chiefs win this game. I locked them in at plus two and a half. I'd sprinkle on the money line. Um, yeah, I hate to say this, dude. I probably have an old Chiefs jersey somewhere. I'll be rocking my Chiefs jersey, my man. Let's hey, let's bring hey, another championship. You can be Red here. Kingdom for the day. <laughs> uh, we welcome all the takers. <laughs> Uh, next one, and I like this one a lot, my friend. Nice little plus 127 parlay. Lay it on me, big dog. Pacheco, over 60 and a half rushing yards, anytime touchdown. Like I said, I've been I've been big on this all year. You guys, my friends, you guys, my family. It drives me crazy when we are third and one, third and two, and Reed pulls out some jet sweep, reverse fake, pass, line Mahomes up ever since. I'm like, just hand the ball to our workhorse. Let him do what he does. As the season has went on, seems like Reed might be listening to me. He's giving Pacheco the ball in those situations. We're feeding him nice and early from the very start of the game. think that 49ers run defense is, you know, just as suspect as their pass defense. You see what Montgomery and Gibbs were doing, Jamison Williams, 42-yard run on that uh, opening drive for a touchdown. Think Pacheco, man, they say he runs like he's pissed off at the ground. I think it's going to be a big day for him, which is why I said you might want to sprinkle on his MVP because if we get down in the red zone, he he has potential to get two touchdowns possibly if, you know, we're not trying to do all the cutesy fancy stuff. But you never know Andy Reid. That's the, the one problem. 
But I really think, you know, if we want to have a successful game, it starts with Pacheco and, you know, controlling some of that clock, keeping the 49ers offense off the field and, you know, making Shanahan in his mind panic because, like, if we're grinding clock away with Pacheco, we score touchdowns. Now it's like, okay, well, I can't use Christian McCaffrey in the run game. And, like I said, Brock Purdy, I'm not saying he's bad. You know, he's he's top five MVP voting this year. He's had a great year. But him versus my Chiefs secondary, I'm going to take my Chiefs secondary all day, every day this year. Steed and McDuffie, I got all faith in them, all faith in Spags. So feed Pacheco, play solid defense. That's the formula right there. So um, it's like everyone's just bringing up every bet I lost that I freaking pisses me off about when I think about it. Let's make some money. My fear is that it'll be like the time James White should have won the MVP instead of Brady. That is the Super Bowl when the Falcons were up 20-3. James White had a mega day. I was sitting on him at 70-1 to to win MVP. They gave it to Tom Brady instead. Um, I think Pacheco would need two to three touchdowns to get the MVP. What What do you vote? What, like, I, I think it would take two touchdowns, but I think that's like, very doable. Would he have to get over 100 yards, though? That's another thing. If he had two in like 70, 80, would they still give it to him? I think so because I feel like if he has two touchdowns in about 80 yards, I bet Mahomes' stat line looks something like 210, 220-ish, one touchdown, 17 for 23. And, like, while that's definitely solid numbers, Pacheco's has two of them and 80, at least 80 yards rushing. I feel like it's got to go to him. Now, I don't know, you know, who even actually decides the MVP voting for the Super Bowl, but I know obviously Mahomes – it, he might pull more weight in that category. But I feel like if that's how the game plays out, it should go to Pacheco. All right. Um, I have a Pacheco bet a little. You know what? I'll give my Pacheco bet right now. I did Pacheco over the 66 and a half yards rushing. This is my thought. He's gone over this total four or five, four of the last five games, has gone over the total every game in the playoffs he's averaging an insane 84.7 yards per game 4.3 yards per carry and 21 attempts per game in the playoffs niners are 15th dvoa defending the run in the playoffs the 49ers allow the packers buck 36 on 28 attempts that's 4.39 yards per attempt with aaron jones having 18 rushes for 108 yards against the lions the Lions were able to run for 182 yards and 29 attempts, averaging 6.3 yards per attempt, with Montgomery having 15 attempts for 93 yards. This 49ers defense can be run on. Also, one thing that your boys are starting to do, they're starting to go a lot with the more heavier sets, a lot of two tight end sets, extra offensive linemen. And we can see that's leading to more success in the rushing game. And during the regular season, they averaged 104.9 yards per game rushing. In the playoffs, that's ticked all the way up to 128.3 yards. I think that Reed's smart. Reed's not an idiot. He knows if we have the ball, they can't do anything. <laughs> so he's going to run the ball. What was that? that was, was that a seven, seven and a half minute drive to start the game? Yeah. For, against the Ravens. And that was one of the best rushing defense. I'll, I think I'll they're going to do that there. I'll give you this. In the fourth quarter, uh, the Ravens gave us the ball back. We had a drive, I think, to start the quarter that was took five minutes off the clock. 
We didn't even score. We punted the ball back to him. But like I said, death by a thousand paper cuts. Mahomes picked up a first down with the throw. We went right back to Pacheco. I think he ran the ball 24 times for 68 yards, which isn't the best average, but against that Ravens defense, that's pretty good. Kept the offense off the field on their side. Clock just kept turning and turning. I'm like, hey, man, the the lower the clock, I'm like, man, this is really going to happen. Like, our defense is balling out. We just have to take care of the ball. That's what they did. So I think Reed won't be dumb either. He knows we can control this game. With Mahomes at the helm, we can bring it home, man. So I, it just makes all the sense more. I think this is gonna be a Pacheco game, and I totally agree with you. We're seeing 35 to 1 on someone that's gonna be able to run the ball, gets two touchdowns. Mahomes doesn't throw for over 300, doesn't have any touchdowns. I think it's live, they could give it to him. I think at 35 to 1, totally worth a throw. Pacheco and VP. Bryce, last bet. Where are you going, my man? And Spags, we trust, man. Niners, under 24. Since week 11, the Chiefs' defense has not allowed more than seven points in the second half to any opponent. In the playoffs, we've only allowed seven. We've allowed zero to Miami, who didn't even touch the red zone all game. We allowed seven to Buffalo, who Buffalo, they always play us the best. You know, that's their Super Bowl, or we're their Super Bowl. And then last week versus the Ravens, we only allowed three, man. I don't know what Spags is you know, necessarily. Bryce, looks like Bryce is frozen. I absolutely love this bet. Uh, oh, so go ahead, my friend. I lost you for a second. Okay, I'm back. You're back, my friend. Go ahead. What was the last thing you heard? Spags. Oh, yeah. And Spags, we trust. Did you hear my defensive stats about the Chiefs? Yeah, I did. Seven points per game, yes. Yeah, so, yeah, I think um, this 49ers team – they might be able to put some points up in the first half, possibly depending on how the game plays out. But that second half, our defense is locked in. We're shutting everything down. I think this game finishes around like the 27 to 14 range. Like, I think the defense is really going to put their stamp on a great season and bring it home to the point where I don't think Mahomes will have to necessarily carry us this game. Like, I really think we'll be able to run the ball. Just take clock away, execute, score, and rely on the defense to do their thing. I like that. I like that. And it kind of goes into the next bet I am going to lay out. And this is a tradition like no other. Chiefs and Niners under 23 and a half for the first half. First half unders the last seven, last, sorry, the last 18 years in the Super Bowl, 60. 4.7%, 11, 6, and 1 to the under. I like taking these because I feel that the teams don't want to give too much away. They don't want to lose the game in the first half. They want to lean on the run, establish the run, take pressure off their quarterback, especially Shanahan. He doesn't want to put a young guy like Purdy in that situation. I think he's going to lean on McCaffrey heavy. I think the Chiefs we talked about are going to lean on Pacheco. This is going to lead to a running clock more. These coaches in their Super Bowls, three and one to the first half under. Also ties into it. I'm also going to be betting the first quarter under because I think this game, I think they're going to be running the clock a lot, leading on the run. And I'm always, this is another one of my favorite bets. More points, second half than first half. All those bets to me just kind of tie into it because these guys are going to be nervous. They're going to be tight. Coaches are going to be tight. We're not going to see these explosive plays. 
We're just going to see run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, establish the run, take pressure off the quarterbacks. So I like the first half under 23 and a half yards. Bryce, I would like to thank you. Oh, Stan Wertz chiming in. Yeah, last one. Oh, keep betting against the 49ers. You've been doing it all year long. They have yet to play a great game in the playoffs yet, but we will win the Super Bowl. Niners will win the sixth championship. Stan, I wish you nothing but the best. Congrats on making it there. Um, Bryce, thanks for coming on. Thanks for talking some shop. Why don't you tell everyone where they can find you on social media, my friend? Thanks again for having me, Eric. Always a good time on the podcast. Y'all can follow us at the at on your screen, at INISPOD. Follow us on YouTube. Like I said, I made the day trip uh, to Baltimore this weekend, saw my Chiefs plug dub. So going to be dropping a vlog this week of that, and then we'll kick back up the Super Bowl episode next week. Um, probably hope to have Eric on that. So definitely if you're listening over here, come tune in over there. We'll be giving out some of these same bets and kind of talking – more of the game, you know, as it's it'll be closer than with everybody else on my podcast. But yeah, man, just excited. It's always uh it's always weird this week, you know, no football on a Sunday. And it's like I'm just ready for Super Bowl Sunday. And um, knock on wood, of course. I, I know you're a 49ers fan, Stan, but I feel good about my Chiefs, man. Um, I just think Mahomes and them, man on a mission, we're watching the goat in the making, and I'm excited to see you know what he does. February 11th in Las Vegas. So, you know what? I will be on that podcast, man. Look, always enjoy coming on, talking to you and the rest of the crew. Make sure to give my.